Welcome to the Life Exchange Podcast, where we give you practical solutions for self, community, and culture. Some of us tend to make decisions based upon intuitive gut feeling, and some of us rely more on facts and processes. So which way is better? This is what we're tackling today as we talk about our differences in the deciding process and what lends best to certain situations. Now, we hope by the end of this episode, you would see the value in your decision-making style and that you would also see the value in those who think differently and do things differently. I can't wait for you to hear our discussion. Let's get this thing started. Hi, I'm Melody Hilton. And I'm Joel Hilton. And I'm Katie Stansfield. And today's topic came to us from a listener, and the title is Decision-Making, Guts Versus Facts. So what we mean by guts versus facts is guts, when we say guts, we're talking about more of an intuitive person uh, who can decide and do, someone who knows that they're confident in the first step and they don't need to think about it, they just step out and do it. And then the facts is someone who is more cognitive, who needs the details and the instructions and the steps and uh, before they make their decision. And so just by me saying that, you're probably already trying to figure out which one of those is more you. Um, and because we kind of all lean one way or the other, we can have both. We can, we definitely can have the ability to function in both of those things. Um, but a lot of the times we make decisions either primarily uh, intuitively or primarily cognitively. And so today we want to talk about what that looks like in team, what that looks like in our own life and how we make decisions. Um, our decisions often have uh, ramifications with those around us. And so we want to get into that today. So you guys ready? Ready. All right. What I'd like to do is define it a little bit more yeah. because an intuitive person could be that creative one and they're dreaming of what can be and, and they're amazing at gathering all the people to get in on that vision. They don't have the processes figured out at all, but they don't care because they got a dream, they got a purpose, they got a vision, and they're just telling everybody about that. Yeah. And that's very intuitive and it can be very good, very God, and it's necessary. And um, Actually, that's a strength that you have that I don't have. So I'm grateful for that in you, that you can be intuitive with the vision and, and be excited about it and get people on board because that's not an area I'm strong in. But you are intuitive as well, but you're intuitive in deciding and doing. Right. So when you hear the vision, oh, we can do yeah, this then I'm ready to and get I it can done. do this yeah. and let me get in the office, get all by myself <laughs> and I'm going to get this thing done. Yeah. And so they are intuitive. Actually, a, a CEO in a, a company, they get the big bucks because they make these five big intuitive decisions. <laughs> it's like they just know what they need to do at that moment and they make the decision to do it. And um, so they're even... Even if a person is intuitive, they could lean more creatively or they can lead uh, more uh, task-wise. So is this learned behavior or is this something that someone naturally functions in? I believe when we were conceived in our mother's womb, woven in our DNA is our contribution to society. And so there are people that are innately intuitive. You can see it. You have kids, Joel, and you can see your one son is extremely intuitive. He knows what he wants, and he knows how to go after that thing. Mm -hmm. And he doesn't need a lot of information. It's just in his head, and he goes after it. Where your oldest son, he 
really thinks and he processes. And so he is the cognitive one. So if we look at the cognitive person, they can be very cognitive in, I got to research. I got to get all the information. I got to get all the facts. And I even remember when Aiden was just like two, three years old, you'd say something to him and he'd go, I know. And then I remember <laughs> one time I asked him, do you know everything? He goes, yeah, because in his <laughs> mind, he knew the facts. And and um, so a, cogni- a cognitive knowledge-based person is really going to gather the information. They love data. They love research. Uh, but you can have a cognitive person that processes, develops strategies, develops solutions. So when the intuitive person has this amazing yeah. vision, and all of us have this in us, this cognitive strategist, even though I have the, the three vision. Of us. Pardon? When you said all of us, you mean the three of us. The three of us on our team here. So we start developing processes and systems. How are we going to do it? So the intuitive person will go, this is what we can do, where the cognitive people will gather what's necessary to really get that job done. So every single person is absolutely necessary for us to accomplish what needs to be accomplished. Let me break this down a little bit more. So the intuitive person, when they share their vision, the cognitive is what they call the dream smasher. <laughs> is that is that what you're saying? Like they're saying why this won't work and you're missing this, 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 and this. And then the intuitive person is like, but you don't see it. You don't see the vision. And the other one's like, well, you don't see this. So I said all that because. If we don't anti- understand each other, yeah. we will yeah. do that very thing. Exactly. Yeah. And so if we can get this figured out, we can pull the best of both mm-hmm. uh, abilities and can really help our team, help our ministry, help even Marriages. families. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All of the above. Actually, my I have a new brother-in-law and he like finds great joy in reading instruction manuals, <laughs> which I don't I don't understand at all how that can bring someone joy, but that's a strength that he has. Mm-hmm. And I said, hey, maybe you can finally read the instructions on my Instapot and tell me how to use it because <laughs> it's been sitting in my pantry for years because I hate reading instruction manuals. So yeah, when we lean on one another and can actually yes. celebrate that, then we can finally make something in our Instapot <laughs> or mm-hmm. accomplish something that we couldn't do before. And that's how we make better decisions because we bring the cognitive and the intuitive together. We bring the practical and the creative together. We bring those that are community-minded and those who work amazingly autonomously. Yeah. Yeah, but how often do we see the differences in someone and we do, we think, well, they're just a dream smasher or uh, they're they're completely opposite of me and then there's conflict rather than when we could actually be leaning on each other's strengths and and be accomplishing something great. So That's the power of validation and celebration. Yeah. I even think about in our team, uh, I probably lean more intuitive than Joel does. He's a little bit more cognitive. And so sometimes there have been times where I'm like, I need something done. I need to write down. Like, I need you to make the decision. And he's like, you know, I need to process. I need to research. And then guess what? The natural response is, but I need it now. And I get irritated. But then if I look, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. If I look later on, I say, oh, it's really good that he stopped me and he did the research because I would have jumped ahead on something that actually turned out better because of his processing. 
I know I'm pretty amazing. Thank <laughs> you. Yeah. But now, then on the flip side, there's probably been times where it was good I pushed you because a decision yeah, got made. Yeah, and that's something that I had to really challenge within myself is like, Sometimes I have to stop innovating. Sometimes I just have to make a decision, yeah. uh, be more intuitive. So I guess my question is, these are skills that we can develop as well. It might not be our natural, might not be our natural. Um, inclination. Uh, yeah, inclination. Uh, so are these things, mom, that we can develop and get better at or? I think if it's something we understand and how it functions mm -hmm. and recognize this is what is needed now, either I can develop and grow in that and apply it with confidence because we don't want to do anything if we do not have the awareness of that's the right thing to do right now. Right. So we have to look at that situation and say, right now, I need a cognitive person. Yeah. If I'm able to bring that to the table, that's great. If I'm not, then I'll say, Joel, will you help me with this? Yeah. Because so, I so recognize So the challenge your, is to find those around you, you know, and pull from their strength. And what I know from what I do mm -hmm. uh, with behavioral analysis and those type of things is that everyone holds all four of them. It's just in different measures. And some of them are solo. Like for me, the the person that does research, yeah. um, that is so low. I don't even want to learn it, but I've I had to make some decisions to accomplish the vision I wanted to accomplish. I had to take that 15 minutes to do a little bit of research. Yeah. And I do it in small increments of time because it drains my emotional energies, but I've learned to develop it even though I don't want to live in it. Yeah. But what makes it even better when I can find someone who that is their passion and that is their skill and I give that role to them, mm -hmm. they do it, they are energized and they are valued because we gave them the opportunity to do what they're good at. Yeah. And I'm happy because I don't have to do it then. Yeah. Right? Because that's not... That's like my least favorite. Yeah. So like, so you're saying we really can't make excuses like, oh, I hate research. And so it went poorly because I didn't research because I don't like research. You're saying we either have to do it. We have to do what is necessary and do the research or we have to find someone that that is their strength. Yes. And then this I think is important. So if I go to someone who is more cognitive, who does the research, they do the research and they bring me the research, mm -hmm. I have to heed their research yes. and not just, well, I'm going to do it my own way anyway, because that's going to really devalue their Correct. contribution. That's going to uh, minimize what they have spent their time and effort and energy doing. So it's not just asking, but if, if you recognize that the data is needed right now, then you have to actually use the data. <laughs> the creator made us so uniquely different, not to put one on the shelf and to exalt another. He put everything inside of us that we need to accomplish the purposes of God. And we need to not just discover that for ourselves. We need to discover it in others and give them that opportunity. Yeah. So would you say when we have a decision to make, uh, would you say that the the first step would be to kind of just recognize in self-awareness which way you lean? Is that a good first step? Really, I think 
just to say what we've already done, most people go, oh yeah, that's me, that's me, yeah. because it's so intuitive to you. And so the more we do it, the more we trust it, the more we trust it, the less fear we walk in, because if we are afraid we're not going to do a good job, we'll actually be the opposite. Yeah of the strength that we carry. And so I think what's really important is I think other people can recognize what we carry as well. Come together as a team, whether it's a marriage, you know, a husband and wife coming together and bringing those things together and dialoguing and not, it doesn't, you might be the husband, you might be the head of the home, but if your wife carries wisdom, you want to pull from that wisdom. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just, it, it's just basic one-on-one leadership. If I'm leading, I need to pull from those uh, that are on my team. And so it's like celebrating that. And guess what? When people are able to release their contribution to the team, they will feel valued and they will yeah. have greater measures of buy-in. It's important to point out because I think there's some sections of the church that will say, well, an intuitive uh, someone who is intuitive is more spiritual mm. rather than a person who plans and analyzes That's and gathers digital. the information. You know, they're, we're saying, well, I'm being more led by the Spirit. Well, no, maybe you're just being more intuitive and that's your natural gifting, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's more spiritual. Well, and then someone who's more calculated might look at that person and say, well, they're just a flake. <laughs> they're yeah, just exactly. being led by their emotions, mm. which may or may not be the case. For sure. So Val goes back to a lot of our podcast is valuing yeah. mm -hmm. what people carry. Yeah. I'm really glad you brought that up because when you think about it, whatever God called you to do, he releases his grace. Mm -hmm. He releases his ability. So even a person who is research-driven, knowledge-driven, how much does it say in the word about God about gaining knowledge? Yeah. Right? The 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 cognitive who gathers the strategies, it's gaining understanding. And so that is a very big deal to God. Yeah. And he gives that cognitive person that ability because that is important to him. Mm -hmm. And so we've got to recognize a person can be very prophetic, hear the voice of God in a strategy. They can be very prophetic in areas of knowledge. Yeah. So intuitive is, or cognitive, is our contribution. It's our gift. But every single one of them needs the power of the Holy Spirit, and each person needs to hear the voice of God in those situations. Yeah, I actually love the scripture that says the letter kills, but the spirit gives mm -hmm. life because really the the word is God. Mm -hmm. um, but if if it's left without his spirit illuminating, mm -hmm. it, it can become dead works. It mm -hmm. can become religion. And then the spirit comes in. And if the spirit, if the small s spirit doesn't align with the word, then it's off. So they actually, we need the spirit and the word partner together to give us life. So it's just, again, it's another picture of, of how we need, we need all, we need both. I can see this manifested in, in the worship realm because, mm. you know, some people are like, well, how, how can it be, uh, you know, prophetic and spontaneous when you create a set list, <laughs> you know, or, uh, you know, those type of things. But I, I remember one of the people in our worship team, um, because at one point, 
I would create set lists two, three weeks in advance. And someone goes, well, aren't you kind of like choking out the spirit because you're creating set lists so far in advance? And I said, well, which is more prophetic <laughs> to be in the moment and know what to do or to know three weeks in advance. And I, and I was amazed how many mm-hmm. times I would uh, create a set list and it was just what was needed at that moment. Yeah. And so I, I don't want to say something's more prophetic or not. I, I'm just saying structure can be very prophetic yes. yeah. if you position yourself to receive in here. Yeah. And God wouldn't have given us those gifts if they didn't come from his heart. Yeah. And he didn't want to lead them and guide them by his voice and by his direction to establish the kingdom of God wherever we're at. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it's so important because whether we are cognitive or we are intuitive, we want to submit ourselves to the Lordship of Christ. And when that takes place, we will produce fruit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So good. Yeah. So let me ask you guys a question because all of this is in building vision and making decision, whether it's for our family or our church or an organization. So once we go through this process of intuitiveness and and developing the structures and all these type of things. When do we hold fast to what we established last month or when are we open to bring change? I think that's a really good question because we could have all this stuff set, no God let it. When do we know whether we should change or hold fast to what we're doing? I think that's a question that I've been asking for a while (laughs) because, you know, standing firm and not giving up on something too early. But part of me says, well, if it isn't working, it isn't working, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? And then part of me says, well, you got you to gotta keep on going. You just got to put, you got to push through it. So I guess I'm kind of asking that, that same thing. Um, I, I, don't, I don't necessarily know if I have the answer, but it goes back to hearing and obeying, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't think I have the answer either. And I love this question because we have dialogued a lot about yeah, it. Yeah. Mm. Because you you look at it through the processes. I look at it from the vision. <laughs> this is vision. This is what God spoke. And I'm like, you know, die hard, you know, never give up uh, the ship. And, you know, I have all my scriptures to keep on keeping on. And it's really how I've lived my life the last 40 years of ministry. Mm -hmm. Uh, If it's been established inside of me uh, to change uh, is not an easy thing when, when it's been so established. And really, in our minds, we develop automatic patterns of thought. And when our automatic patterns of thought get challenged, everything inside of us goes tilted and it almost seems like a sin. And, um, but, uh, I, I know that a lot of times we look at the fruit. If it's not producing fruit, yeah, then we change. If it's producing fruit, we keep on doing it. But I struggle with that to some degree, even though I think that holds credibility, I struggle with that because I am I being led by the circumstance or am I being led by the spirit? Am I being led by fruit or not? And I, and I like the whole analogy of that uh, Chinese, uh, what was it, bamboo. And like the, the first five years after it was planted, no activity, <laughs> nothing. And then on the fifth year, it grows 80 feet. Yeah in you know just a couple weeks 
And so it's like, I hate to give up on something just based upon the fruit. I think what you just said, Joel, being led by the spirit, but how do we process that as a team? I mean, I think we have, um, the three of us have come to moments where we recognize that there was a change in the air. Uh, we didn't quite know what it was going to look like. Uh, I think some of us feel that that wind blowing a little sooner than others. Um, but there have been times where the vision was clear. You know, we we knew we were very involved in a vision, and then it came to a time where we've said, okay, it's time. It's time to close the door on that. Um, because I, I do think God is a God of seasons. He is a God of, um, while He doesn't change, um, He often blows change in, in our direction so that we can go where He's leading us. And one one of the core values of our church is bravery. And we define that as uh, we bravely, we boldly go where God leads. And so, you know, um, some churches are awesome. They've been doing the same thing for hundreds of years and bless them for that. We have never been that church. <laughs> we we kind of, um, our, our people are used to change. Actually, someone was just telling me, wow, you guys are always working on something new. <laughs> and so uh, we are ones who go uh, and, and change. Um, but I think we're still working out what the timings of that looks like when when it's time to close a door. Um, and when it's time to keep pushing, keep keeping on. And I think the reason it works is because there is dialogue. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes intense dialogue. (laughs) Sure. And that, that's, I think that's the power of team. Yeah. Because it, it allows things to be challenged so that we can process, we can take it to the Lord. We can, uh, search out a matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can ponder things in our heart. And um, I don't think any church, ministry, family is going to do this perfectly. I just think positioning ourselves where we can receive from each other and then uh, allow the Spirit of God to speak into those things. Yeah. And so I, I kind of brought up like a hot topic without really being able to give concrete (laughs) answers to this because uh, the Spirit of God is going to deal with every individual differently. Um, But I think it goes back to life exchange. It goes back to valuing one another. It goes back to hearing one another and hearing the hearts and and saying, where I this is the thing that I love. Where is the grace? Mm -hmm. And for me personally, as long as I feel grace, God's grace, God's enablement with something, um, then it, it would be very hard for me to let go of something where I recognize I'm not doing this by the strength of my own arm. But when I recognize there's no grace in me to continue something, then it's easier for me to let something go. Um, so, I mean, that's for me personally. Yeah. And... One thing, big word for me in this season is inquiring of the Lord continually. And it's like every day I'm getting up and saying, okay, God, what does today look like? Mm-hmm. And it can be different every day. And that's just more of a personal thing than a team thing. I can't come in every day. Oh, we're doing it differently today. We can't do that because we're working together. But I just think this is a challenge. Um, I know my husband would always say this, you can't turn a ship on a dime. And so where there is change and we're leading 
a church <laughs> or we're leading an organization, you can't always bring turn the ship on a dime. Yeah. And that's where I think we need the cognitive and the strategies and the processes to know how we do turn the ship. Um, that makes me think he was talking about turning a ship because you're dealing with multiple people. Right. But if you're like on a jet ski, you can turn <laughs> on a dime. Yeah. But you're only one person so on, is on that. that jet. Oh, good so, analogy. So I think, you know, if you're just talking about um, now, obviously, our choices always f affect those around us. But I think if we're talking on a more personal level, it you can make quicker changes. Mm -hmm. um, but if you're dealing with a larger organization where it affects more people, change has to happen a little bit slower, I guess. Yeah. And I think personally, I guess, and corporately, this can um, apply. But I have just... Um, held that God does not lead us in chaos and he doesn't lead us in confusion. Correct. And so where I feel the peace, even though I might not have the strategy and that might, I, I might, for me, I want to have the strategy before I make the decision. But sometimes I don't have the strategy, but I feel the peace. So I say, okay, God doesn't lead me in chaos. He doesn't lead me in confusion. I don't have all the details figured out, but I feel his peace. So I'm going to lean into his peace. And also, um, sometimes I, I want to be quick and I want to make the decision without the process, but that would be chaotic. Uh, and so God doesn't lead us in chaos. He's a God of order and structure. And so sometimes also when people will come and they'll say, well, um, you know, I have this decision to make and blah, 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 and they're all worked up about it. It's okay. God doesn't lead us in chaos. God doesn't lead us in confusion. Set aside your own mind process right now. Where do you feel the peace? Okay, let's follow the peace. And I also think sometimes we get stressed out if we don't know what decision to make because sometimes we have to make a decision and we don't know. Um, my personal um, setup is the red, yellow, and green lights. Mm -hmm. If I feel a red light, if I feel a hard no, do not go that way, then okay, that one's easy. Don't go that way. If I feel a yellow, all right, go that way, but keep you know, keep your your wits about you because we still have something to figure out. Um, and if I feel a green light, go. And so I think sometimes it's like if if you don't know what decision to make, both of them could lead to good things. Both of them have their risks. Okay, are you feeling a no? No. Okay. Are you feeling a yes? Not really. All right. Well, then choose and trust. <laughs> choose, stay in that yellow mode that you're going to give it all to the Lord. You're going to trust the Lord, proceed with a little bit of caution, which could also just be called wisdom. And, um, you know, it's not as high stakes sometimes as we think it, mm -hmm. it is. Yeah, that's one one of the things I want to confront is, you know, especially in the, well, it would be in the church world, but people are so afraid to make the wrong choice. Am I stepping outside of God's yeah. will? Um, and, in, in the scripture, it talks about that the heart of man plans, mm -hmm. but the Lord establishes his steps. Mm -hmm. And I and I think of that situation where Peter calls out to Jesus, said, hey, if it's you, call me out. So Peter imagines he plans. He says, mm -hmm. I want to be out there with him. And so what does he do? He steps out on onto the water, something that has no firm foundation, and the Lord establishes yeah. his steps. Mm -hmm. And then we see that he begins to look at the wind and the waves, right? And he begins to sink. Mm -hmm. Then it says that Jesus immediately reaches out and grabs him. 
And so some people are like, how, how can I make these decisions when I'm not sure what God is, yeah. is, is leading me to do? And I would say, the heart of man plans and the Lord establishes his steps. Sometimes you've got to take a risk and you have to step out. Well, what if I fall? Well, he'll be there to pick you yeah. up. Yes. Yeah. Another aspect of that is when did he begin to sink? When his eyes began to look at the wind and the waves. Yeah, the circumstances. So how how do you know you can trust what's in your heart? I say you can trust what's in your heart when your eyes are set. Mm-hmm. When your eyes are set on Jesus, you can trust your heart to make decisions. Yeah. Yep. Now, when when you when you're looking at the wind and the waves, guess what? You're gonna sink. Now, obviously, you can cry out, and God's gonna definitely reach out and save you. But I want to challenge that fear that a lot of people have is like, well, if I make if I make the wrong choice or if yeah. I step out of place, Scripture says the heart of man plans, mm-hmm. but the Lord establishes his steps. Yeah. Well, how can you trust what's in your heart? If your eyes are set, yeah. you can trust what's in your heart. Yeah. So that's a little bit of both, right? Yeah. It's that intuitive, right? Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, if you want to think of the most intuitive person in Scripture, <laughs> it's probably Peter. <laughs> yeah. All the problems he got into. Because... I mean, the fact that he's even asking, call me out onto yeah. the hey, sea. Hey, if it's you, call me out. I, I also, I think of that sometimes. What do you mean, if it's you? Like... <laughs> That means there's a question. Yeah. So yeah, he he is super intuitive, but look at what God did through him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and so, but in that scripture, the heart of man plans. Yes, that deals with um, being creative and being imaginative, but it also deals with calculation and analyzing. I guess my point is. You know, people want it. Well, it's got to be this or got to be this. Well, it's kind of both. Yes, right. It is. You, yes, you it need is. people around you, and you can develop these things. Not one is more spiritual than the other. Correct. Yeah. So, my challenge to you is to confront that fear of stepping out, because hey, if if you are connected in heart to the Lord, mm-hmm. he's he's gonna be there. Yeah. You know. Yeah, he's a lot less afraid of our messes <laughs> than we think he is sometimes. Well, we're looking at it through finite vision, yeah. mm-hmm. right? We're looking at the moment, but God's looking at it through eternity, and yeah. it's really just a vapor. Yeah. 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 He exists outside of time. He's already in our future. Yeah. And more than what we do, he cares more about what we become. And I think if we can focus on being conformed to the image of Christ— and then submitting ourselves to the Lord, because th- there are a lot of things we can do, and there's a lot of ways that we can do it, but if our heart is to build the kingdom. And so one of my favorite scriptures is, seek ye first the kingdom, you know, looking to Jesus, right? So if I'm seeking first the kingdom, uh, what will build the kingdom? What will build advancement? What will bring increase? And I'm not just talking about looking at external fruits. I'm just saying what will expand the kingdom? Because God doesn't look at things the way we do. Because I, people think success is numbers or houses or cars or money or numbers or whatever, when simply success is to hear and obey. Yeah. You know, it really, success 
in the eyes of the advancement of the kingdom is so extremely simple. And I think if we can take so many complex things out, because my goal is saying, Lord, what can we do to advance the kingdom? And if I have to change to advance the kingdom, uh, then I'm very quick to change. But if I don't see it advancing the kingdom or producing for the kingdom, then I'd I'm a risk taker, but I don't want to take a risk on something that I don't think will build the kingdom. So my focus is the kingdom. It's not so much on what or how, but the kingdom, Yeah, which is the rule and reign of God. It's the thoughts and the ways of heaven. Yeah. So I guess the first question when making a decision is, what would Jesus do? <laughs> yeah, there you go. Hey, that's a, that's a new uh, yeah, innovative yeah, yeah. thought right there. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, obviously, if, if you have a decision to make and it's not something that lines up with righteousness or holiness, then um, I'll tell you right now, it's not the right decision. <laughs> there you go. I just made it easy for you. Yeah. A lot of times we make decisions according to the natural, but we're not to be controlled by the natural or make mm-hmm. decisions based upon our feelings or circumstances, but we're to be led by the Spirit, not be led by circumstances. Yeah. I think we also we are called to love one another. And so recognizing mm-hmm. that my decisions do have an impact on other people. And so, um, you know, in a team or in mm-hmm. a marriage or uh, in any kind of close relationship, you know, I might have a preference and a way of doing things. And if I step back, I, I might realize that the way that I'm doing things is really having a negative impact on those around me. And so um, it's also taking that that self-awareness responsibility of recognizing, okay, um, not just how is this going for me, but how is this affecting the ones around me uh, and then adjusting from there. One of the ways that you can alleviate some of the tension in, in, in your team, in marriage, and because someone could be more intuitive, someone could be more cognitive, is are you aiming at the same target? There you go. Because I believe if you trust that you're really going after the same thing, you will value the input they have, even yeah. though it might be different, because you know you're you're aiming, you're you're going after the same thing. Mm-hmm. And so maybe you have to go back and look and say, are we really pursuing after the same goal? That's right. And so whether that's, you know, in the marriage relationship, whether that's in a team setting, if you can agree on what the final outcome should be or the goal or the reward, we're going to value people's inputs because we know that we're going towards the same thing. Yeah. That is really And I think when you lack in trust, it doesn't matter if you you have the same abilities or the same... um, characteristics because you're not even sure you're headed in the right direction. Right. Yeah. You just kind of described my marriage (laughs) because all those years ago, we made a decision. We're going to seek first the kingdom. Mm -hmm. God is first. I love my husband, but I love Jesus more. He loves me, but he loves Jesus more. And so Jesus is the priority because it's so easy uh, to focus on our needs, our wants. Um, uh, Like, do you remember the children of Israel? They had an idol before them. We want a king just like every other nation. God didn't want them to have a king. 
You know, so he went and said, you don't want to have a king because this is going to happen. They said, we don't care. We want a king. (laughs) So God gave him a king. And um, so I think about that in in marriage, in teams. If we have an idol before us, it'll cut off our ability from hearing from each other because we just want what we want rather than saying, how can we build the kingdom? Yeah. Yeah. So are we... Are we good? Do you guys have anything else you want to add on this topic? No, I'm good. All right. (laughs) All right. Well, whether you are more intuitive first or cognitive first, we hope that you have um, learned through this talk that both have an important place, uh, that we need you and that we need one another. So as you are evaluating um, this in your own life, uh, just take a look around and, and recognize the strengths that other people have and how you can lean on each other even more to accomplish a greater goal. Thanks for listening to Life Exchange. We'll be back next week with more conversation on topics of life and leadership. Until next time, be sure to check out our website at givinglight.org where you can learn more about our church and access loads of resources to help you grow in your walk with God and people. If you like what you heard today, we'd be grateful if you would leave a five-star review and share with your friends. Be blessed. Remember to shine your light and have a great week. Thank you.